What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, behaves! What a what a Monday in sports as we record this. Uh, coming off the Kepka, right into the Lakers. Magic had the morning. Palinka's got the press conference right now. Warriors actually play a game tonight, but Broussard and KD are going back and forth on Twitter with a little help from Migadala. Ruben Foster is uh, living uh, living eighty years in like a year of a life. It's amazing, I got, John. I got Roto World pulled up right now. And the first two little blurbs. People forget that Roto World was Twitter before Twitter. Twitter are Ezekiel Elliott released without charge after being handcuffed at a Las Vegas music festival over the weekend. Okay. EDM wearing a LeBron jersey. And the second one is like you hinted at. Mike Garofolo reports Redskins linebacker was quote sobbing as he was carted off the practice in an air cast. While we were getting ready for this, we had to restart our computers. I flipped my uh, the TV to NFL Network. Jay, they had just finished practice, and Jay was like doing his press conference. Yeah, you know they've led the league in injuries the last couple of years. Like had a historic. I didn't know amount. that until today. Jay said, "He's like, I'm kind of at a loss for words." That was Ruben's first rep as a Washington Redskin. It wasn't like mid practice. It was his first rep in wow. whatever drill they were doing. Wow, I, I just saw his quote that said, "This one takes the cake." <laughs> Because, again, guys, I think they had, they had stretched. They had done their little warm-up, high knees, or whatever the fuck NFL players do now. And his first rep in whatever drill, he goes down crying. Uh, John, let's tell the people this podcast is brought to you by Upstart. Uh, as most of you and most of us has found out, uh, and you find out the hard way, that getting oh, into yeah. debt is easy. Getting out is hard. I, w- I was at a college graduation yesterday, and from the third balcony at Sonoma State, I wanted to yell, Upstart! They got Trust me, you're going to need it! Should have given out some, printed out some papers and handed them out. I know. You would have been the equivalent of what that dude did at the, at the other ceremony over the weekend that he gave $40 million in loans. He paid them off, but you'd be giving out more loans to take care of their student loans. That's right. Uh, that is Upstart.com, the revolutionary lending platform that offers smarter interest rates, 
to help you pay off the high interest credit card debt. Well, and here's the key, guy. We all need a cash influx at different point in times in our life. I've been there. You've been there. I'm kind of there right now. Upstart goes beyond the traditional FICO score when assessing your credit worthiness. When you, you know, sign up for this, it does not affect your credit. To me, that's a big thing. Sometimes when, you know, you're applying for a loan, it has ramifications on your credit. Upstart does not. And because they believe, guy, you're more than just your credit score. It's fast, simple, and easy to check your rate. It just takes a few minutes without affecting your credit score. Again, that to me, that's the key. It does not affect your, your credit score. Especially for a lot of people out there that feel like, you know, you've been doing the right things. Um, and this is why the college graduation was a good place to yell this. They reward you based on your education and your job history in the form of a smarter interest rate. Over 200 people have used Upstart to pay off credit cards, student loans, fund a wedding, make a large purchase. Uh, you can consolidate all that credit card debt into one monthly payment with Upstart. Free yourself from the burden of high interest credit cards. <laughs> I need to free myself from that burden very soon. Consolidating everything into one monthly payment, like you said, with Upstart. See why Upstart is ranked number one in their category with over 300 businesses on Trustpilot and hurry to upstart.com slash ham to find out how low your Upstart rate is. Checking your rate can only take a few minutes. It won't affect your credit. Upstart.com slash ham. Again, go, go upstart.com slash ham. Go sign up. And this podcast brought to you by, ho, oh, we've been talking about this, Hair Club. Confidence. <laughs> important. One change can make all the difference. Hair Club knows this. That's why they're inviting you to become part of the Hair Club family to see how getting the most out of your hair can change your life well here's the key guy that going through this and i've went through it it emotionally drains you it it dives deep into the insecurities of a male and and females uh but as a male who we consistently just lose our hair more uh, also we can live without it raise my hand though i didn't want to live without it i did not choose this life it chose me if hairclub.com slash ham had been around in 2010 slash 11 when it was really going i, I would have signed up because again it's free to sign up hairclub.com slash ham free to sign up but it's some people need you know a hair restoration other people just need to maintain what they have because they're still in the clear it's just kind of it's going the wrong way and that's where hairclub.com slash ham. Again, it's free to sign up. You get a free consultation uh, worth over $250. Is, is such a game changer because I think most of us, and again, I've been there. I've sat in that seat. You just don't, you, you feel helpless, guy. You feel like you're just lost in seat and you don't know what to do. So uh, like John said, it's easy. You go to hairclub.com slash ham today. You get a free hair health and scalp analysis for new customers. And then you get a $250 savings on any qualifying hair club service after that initial free consultation. So it's hairclub.com slash ham, free health and scalp, uh, hair health and scalp analysis, then $250 savings on any qualifying hair club service after the initial consultation. Hairclub.com slash ham. For free hair and health and scalp analysis, $250 savings. Qualify for hair club service after your initial consultation. Hairclub.com. Slash ham. All right, John. Uh, God, where do we start? Lakers, Kepka, Warriors, Ruben. We kind of talked about Ruben a little. Well, do you know what's crazy? And this is just this, the culture we live in. Is that like yesterday? Pretty crazy day, right? You yeah. had over the weekend. You had the Warriors win. And then you had the Raptors got a big win yesterday. You had the PGA Championship. It feels like ten things have happened today. Feels like magic is the story of the day today, right? As of Monday morning. Like, should we start with him and move backwards? Yeah. Because I like, I, I thought Magic was a guest 
on TV this morning. It turned out he was basically a co-host with Steve he Ray and Matt. He, he, he was a guest. He just talked a lot. Well, I, was he ever off? The, did they do a segment without him on the show? Every time I look well, up, I mean, he was Well, on he it. came. He stayed for an hour. That's yeah, what I'm mean, saying. Why, he might as well have hosted the show. He probably had more you, words per minute than anybody else. Up? He's given you just, in a day and age, and he's a unique outlier, but where these sports people, and you and I know them, uh, I've been around them now professionally, my majority of my professional life, they won't say anything when the camera's on them. It's just, it, it, it's kind of a joke. I mean, we, we make fun of like co- coaching cliches and executive cliche. We make fun of him for a reason because that's all we ever hear. He came fucking guns blazing. He basically did like an old school Woes article with his words. Yeah, but I don't think we could say, God, I wish other people talk like Magic in his position because most people aren't in his position, right? Like Magic said, I make more money from my businesses than I will from being in charge of Lakers basketball. Like True, but he was also, Jeannie was paying him $10 million a year, which is a lot of money for an executive in any pro sports, right? Yeah, and he still had to think twice him. about giving up his Sunday movie dates with his wife. Yeah, and as we've talked about, we remember when he quit, there's probably not any human in sports, executive, coach, player, that's probably more out of touch than than Magic. Like, he honestly said that. Like, I had to give up Sunday nights with my wife. And Friday nights. And Friday nights. Like, yeah, <laughs> Magic, kind of, we all do. But... Yeah, I mean, I he just fucking put Polinka, who's on my TV in the background, on black. You just don't hear that off. That's more what I'm talking about. Just, I, I'm not even, he just basically said the reason he quit, two main things, which I appreciate that I wish more people would talk like. When Adam Gase, when they hire a GM. God, he, Adam Gase said like two weeks ago he was pissed off at all the uh, the rhetoric out there about how he hated McCagnon. Like, that's. That's what I think sports fans are kind of tired of, just constantly being lied to about stupid shit that we know is true. Magic basically said, the guy's a snake, and I wanted to fire Luke, and they didn't let me. Like, again, stuff we already kind of knew. He didn't really tell us anything that we didn't know. You just never get to hear it anymore, I think, in this day and age, from, like, the head of the snake. I think you've never heard it. I don't think it's this day and age. No, I think I think guys never Guys rarely talk like Magic talks. Well, Phil did. Yeah, again, uh, these are unique. Uh, Phil and Magic, these are unique people at the top of the mountain, with but, nothing but to lose. We li- we live for that, and I, I and I, it's awesome when it happens. No argument. It was great. Like it's, it's awesome. I like, but I, my takeaway was I don't think the Lakers were in good shape with Magic running the team because I think not because of anything that Magic does, but because I think it's hard to run teams and you can't be half in. And Magic was kind of – he wanted to do it as long as it was convenient for him, which he's in the position to do it. But I don't watch them now and think, like, God, they are way better off now they got Magic out of there. 100%. Well – It's wild. One, I don't know if they did this because I wasn't watching it live. I just saw, like, all the clips on Twitter. Was after he kind of went on his long rant about the basically the main reason he quit was because of Luke. That he, They weren't going to allow him to fire Luke. The irony was then they mutually departed, like, three days later. I wonder if they followed up and said, well, what was your list of coaching candidates? Because I think as we've seen, and I think this is a big reason why Brett Brown came back in Philly, like, who are you hiring? It's not like there were seven Phil Jacksons out there, right? There weren't. There wasn't even a Steve Kerr, really, of this kind of hiring cycle. The, the main, kind of the big fish in the pond was Monty Williams, who, you know, had a pretty good team in New Orleans and fucking wasn't great. I wonder that that would be my question to Magic. Like, okay, I we understand you want to go in a different direction from Luke. Like, who was your number one guy, Magic? 
or what, what was your list of like three or four guys? Because he was singing like a canary. <laughs> you just that's how people tweet. And then like, Stephen A. We had three meetings, Max. You can you can ask him whatever you want, and that's that, those type guests don't come around very often. No. You and because again, he's an outlier, and he's just being honest. So you can literally ask him whatever you want. To me, the coaching one is kind of interesting, like magic. Who are the guys? Because clearly you probably had somewhat of an idea of a couple guys you were going to go after that you wanted to hire. And maybe he hit on that. I, I haven't seen that list, but. Well, like you said to me before the podcast, too, and then they ended up letting Luke leave anyway. Like, it's just I, wild. I, and I, then the Kings, like, hired him with no due diligence. I mean, I guess they know him. Maybe they've been talking to him for a while, but I shouldn't yeah, say no due diligence. But it was just weird. I think it's pretty clear you could argue that Luke, of all the candidates, again, if the elephant in the room of his deal with his, that chick, it depends what happens there. Because if he did it, he's in trouble. If she's making it up, then he'll be fine. But if that never existed and you put Luke in this mix of all the coaching candidates, to me, I think he'd be the number one coaching candidate. Yeah, look, I, I had ticketed him for Sacramento for a while, so I shouldn't, I shouldn't give the Kings a hard time for just hiring him right away. That's fine. Yeah, I mean, it's just the. You know what's crazy is once it goes into the second generation of the family, and if you, I didn't realize this, but it, I mean, it makes sense, right? Doctor Bus was just like to have sex because he was he only dated eighteen year old women. Like I've never, you notice, and again, I'm not a diehard Laker p- person. But I've never heard about Jeannie's mom. Like, was it just like uh, Dr. Bus ever married to his mom? Or was it like a one-night stand? I mean, were all these ki- all the bus kids have separate moms? Because that's what it kind of feels like. From the outside, if you told me all these bus kids, they have the same mom, my first reaction would be no. No chance. A couple of them might have the same mom. But it doesn't, it doesn't feel like from the outside, right? There's one mom that's kind of... Uh, is the mother of all these children. Right? So I ca- yeah, I'm just reading Jeannie's wiki here. Bus, she was the third of four children to Joanne and Jerry. So was Jerry married? Well, yeah, it says Joanne Bus. Uh grew up with older brothers Johnny and Jim and younger sister Janie. It's weird uh, because But I thought I, the same thing, honestly, until I read that just now on Wiki. And I think you're going to see over the next 20, 30 years a massive shift as all these guys die, right? I mean, you just look around the NFL, Jerry, uh, Robert, they're they're old. (laughs) They're not going to be around for forever. And in the NBA, it's got a little bit of a younger demo, I think, of the ownership because there's been a lot of turnover the last, like, 10 years. Right. That's what kind of – like, Dr. Buss really is more like an NFL owner, right? Like, he bought them in the late 60s, early 70s, whatever date that he came in at. And kind of changed, but he was like, to me, he felt like a Jerry Jones, a Robert Kraft, an Eddie DeBarlo. But those guys, they're coming down the home stretch here. And it's pretty clear that, like, the kids don't really know what to do. And you could argue there's just a lot of kids. Like, with the Cowboys, it's pretty clear who's going to run that when Jerry passes, right? Steven. It's pretty clear what's going to happen with Kraft. It's going to be Jonathan. It was clear when Lamar Hunt died, it was going to be Clark. Like with the buses, and as Magic kind of alluded to, they're all kind of still fighting. And Magic's like, the one impressive part was Magic like I got had to sit down Jimmy, Jerry, and whoever the fuck. I've never heard of one of those guys. Yeah, but it makes another one. But again, guy, I I, I've dealt with it, seen my family deal with it, over infinitely less, (laughs) infinitely. 
that whenever a free $10, let alone $50,000, let alone $500,000, let alone the Lakers that are worth billions of dollars comes available, children think they're entitled. And I think when you fight over it, that entitlement creates nastiness. And that that creates to me a problem that just kind of seeps into whatever you're doing. And that's the Lakers because they're constantly always fighting. Yeah, and I think it also creates targets. Uh, when somebody is running a business they don't know how to run, a lot of people want to tell them, I'm the person you need to help you run it. And when it becomes apparent that that person isn't the person they need to help them run it, don't guess what? Somebody else will be right there waiting to say, I'm the person that you need to help you run it. Because in the end, Jerry Jones, whether he's running a football team or a nationwide uh, haircut, uh, hair salon uh, conglomerate, he probably knows how to identify people that can help him run his businesses, leaders, does he have a, other does, leaders. Does he have a nationwide uh, haircut conglomerate? I don't think so. But my point is like, if I just said, here's a business you know nothing about, Jerry. I need you to interview like five potential CEOs. I bet, or here's a hundred people. Pick pick the CEO. I bet he could figure out who his CEO should be of some business that he has no knowledge of, because he's a he's a person that runs a business and businesses and has run businesses. Well, well, one thing that I know just from friends that have been a part of businesses that were like family-run businesses that were taken over by a bigger conglomerate. They were basically bought, right? Which is the goal, I think, like definitely in Silicon Valley. You start a company to one day be bought. Usually the VC companies keep the nuts. They're buying that company for the revenue streams, but they don't know anything about it besides they buy multiple companies in the same kind of realm, but they keep the infrastructure at minimum for a year or two, right? So you're kind of being, you're selling, you're going to profit off for the next year or two, maybe five. They're eventually going to get rid of you once they figure out everything you know, and they can kind of put their guy. But there is a period where you don't just go from like zero to 60 starting over. And that's kind of what it felt like that Dr. Bus, and, and I think this feels like this in pro sports just in general, that when the kids, like it always felt like Jeannie was doing other shit, like part of the business, but never the basketball part. The hardest part about all this and Magic alluded to about this guy named Tim Harris. He's the business guy who was basically the president of the business side. He's like, this guy always telling me how to do our shit, who we should hire, who we should fire, who we should trade. And I say this all the time. The business guy always wants to be part of basketball, football, baseball, or whatever, because that's what we talk about. That's what it, all this shit is talked about. No one gives you any credit. The Lakers are printing cash, right? They're printing money. The thing has never been worth more. If, you, if they put that thing on the sale block, the fucking line of rich people would be from here, from Cal, all over California, of just humans. You know, Obviously, they'd be all over America, but the people that would want it. But those guys make problems. And, of course, Jeannie is going to listen to this guy because he, he's making her a ton of money. Can you think of an organization that has gone, like, curveball higher from the outside? To run its, to run the sports side of it, and had it go well, like you'd say, like the first one that comes to mind for me, like is, is John Elway a curveball hire? Yeah, I I think well, yes, I would say he is, like in the sense that he, he has never done anything in football beside play. Yep, and I would say Bob Myers is unique, like he's an agent. Like I would say right now, the Mets hired an agent, and that's not going as well. I think Bob would tell you though, for a couple of years he sat as like the second or third in right. command. Exactly. That's what that's what's unique about them is they had obviously other people who understood basketball who had a lot of say in what they were doing. 
I'd say Elway went zero to sixty pretty fast. Elway right. did like you know the Paul De Podesta, Sashi Brown, Browns thing. Um, when you're like way outside the bot, we're gonna I'm gonna get Palinka and Magic. We're gonna put them together. That's the other thing when you put people together in a weird way like that. I, uh, I also think one like let's use Elway as an example. And he took over. Remember, his first kind of big move was a little controversial in the sense that it was clear he did not like Tebow. It was like, we're not, whether they got Peyton Manning or didn't get Peyton Manning, he was like done with Tebow. He went and hired Matt Russell from the Patriots. Well, Matt Russell might have been from at Arizona, but he was a Patriot guy and an Eagle guy. Hired Adam Peters, uh, Patriot guy. And then, uh, I can't think of his name, but he passed away like last year. Dude that was also with the Eagles and the Browns GM, Hecker, Tom Hecker. Tim, yeah. So his his inner core was like, he wasn't insecure of just like, I just need a couple scouts. He went and got like former GMs, up and coming GMs. Like he put together kind of a powerhouse scouting staff. Because again, like it felt like John Elway is a lot, John Elway's closer to magic in the sense he's very secure about himself, but he wanted to work at it. Yeah. But a big reason he was kind of like, he went and landed. To me, I think he parallels Magic a little bit because he landed Peyton Manning, remember? Like, that was, like, his yeah, big Yeah, I mean... Land Peyton Manning. And I don't... Maybe it is more just about the ownership that they told... Like, Magic said, I was told I was in charge of everything than I wasn't. Maybe they just... Maybe John was told he's in charge of everything and then he is in charge of everything, right? Elway. Maybe that's the one of the differences between the two of them. It's like Magic couldn't fire the coach when he wanted to. John's firing coaches whenever he wants to. We're watching it. Why do you think, and I, I've never really thought about it that much, but these agents that are doing really well, like Bob Myers was doing really well as an agent. What's the guy's name that runs the Mets? Brody Van Wagenen. He was doing really well as an agent, right? Had a ton of big clients. He was a millionaire doing that. Why do they want to get to the baseball or basketball or football side? Like, I, why are there so many of this happening? Is it because there's more fame in that? Is it Maybe an there's more thing? fame. I mean, that's definitely on the table. I mean, maybe you spend all this time watching everyone else compete. Now you compete against other agents, but you're watching people like win. And you're like, God, I, I've made a bunch of money. I want to go win something. I want to have a ring. Especially if you played the sport, which Brody did, right? Obviously, Bob did. Yep. So maybe you're just thinking like, I, I know just as much as some of these scouts, too. I'm basically scouting when I'm signing these guys. Like, I'm kind of doing elements of it. I'm negotiating contracts, one of the biggest part. Why couldn't I do this? And just aspirational people always. Yeah, like, no doubt. Like, why would Mike Mayock do it? It just looks fun as hell. Like, when you if you could pull it off, it looks awesome, right? Yeah. And especially when you just... Mayock would remember, be remember, remember, I remember Marshall Falk famously saying this, because there was buzz, like, around the... 2007, 8, 9, whatever. When he was done playing, he wanted to get to be a coach. But he said, I will only be the head coach. And everyone's like, bro, you, that's not going to happen. Yeah. But I think, like, Brody Van Wagenen, is, would he have been the director of college scouting for someone? No, Probably he's not leaving that no. gym. But if you're going to make him the GM, like, yeah, I'll think about it. Like, hey, hey, guy, you know, if I, I could give you a curveball of a career inside sports that might make you think, right? Like, would you... Would you quit everything to be the voice of a team, but only you'd only work for that team, right? right. Like, let's just say the Warriors are a bad example because they're a no-brainer. I'm, I'm just saying like the Minnesota Timberwolves or something like that. You'd be the NBA voice, but you would do a bunch of stuff on their website. That would just be yeah. it. But I'm just saying like that, it just make you think. If yeah. I offered you some sure. money, 
but it might not be what you wanted. Again, that's not that probably it's different though because I don't like really. I but if I said like Middlecoff, uh, you can go be the West Coast scout for the New England Patriots. Here, here is my How problem. About that? Would never give me any juice. I, I would say no fucking okay, chance. Okay, but, right, right. But then I say Middlecoff, you can be in charge of the Patriots scouting department. Would you allow me to do it for a year to say I work for Belichick? Yeah, because it only helps the podcast when you come back. If you come back, you know. If well, you, I come back, ends. I would. Yeah, there's zero chance I last long. I'm out on I, top. I'm out on top. I think the difference of me and a lot of people, like, I didn't need the juice of wins and losses because it didn't right. do anything for yeah. me. I didn't even care. <laughs> you know? Like, you don't there. care. Like, I've always, I'm more of a media guy. I don't give a shit. When people are like, I miss the juice. Like, no, it just, I think it's stupid because I don't really have anything to do with it yet. Everyone's pissed off on Monday when I walk into the office. I'm like, I didn't fucking. Yeah, you say that, that until until Belichick comes to the podium. He's like, you know, I was going to trade out, but Middlecoff stood on the table he, for Nikhil Harry. But Bill never does that, and guy. Now, and now, like your rep, your rep just rides and dies with Nikhil Harry having seven catches for like if one can of the tug. If I knew that I might get one shot out from Bill in a big spot, <laughs> it was like Tom being like, "This Middlecoff guy, he brought in some players that I, you know, once Gronk retired, I didn't, but Bill brought the guy <laughs> in. Yeah, I would do it." <laughs> But I, I, I couldn't last. They, but they, I don't. Yeah, I don't know how to answer that question. Other than I think, I think, look, ego and all that's got to be a part of it. And I don't knock anybody. Like, hey, someone's gonna let you try to run a team. Like, do it. I can't yeah. criticize any. Someone says I'm gonna let you run my team. Who says? Well, and I, I think why Magic. The one thing he alluded to was he was promised basically autonomy to have full power. Yeah. And I think people question like Mike, like Mayock, for example. It's one thing to get the opportunity. But it's like, just so you know, we know what he's saying, but I bet a lot of people were telling him, like, John, I, I get you like him and you guys have developed a friendship over the years. He's not going to listen to you. So just be careful. Like, if you get in, you're getting into a job that looks good on paper, but in reality, right, it's not that great. Yeah, you're getting one head coach. Yeah. Because you're working but, for him. But I, but I do think a guy like Mike's like, I'm so good at my job, I'll get him to convince I'll get him to listen to me. And I get it. Yeah. I think Matt, the only reason Magic took the job was because they told him, we're giving you $10 million a year. You can hire and fire whoever the fuck you want and do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, you don't have and to you know, be here all the he, time. You don't have to be here all the time. That's what bothered Magic. He was told you don't have to be all here all the time. And then Rob started making fun of him for not being there all the time. I love, my favorite part of that thing was like Magic, like Lonzo Ball. I know you disagree with me about Lonzo Ball. Well, we could argue about that later. I think he's become a really good two-way player. Uh, and that D'Angelo, they had to get D'Angelo Russell out of there because of Nick Young. We called him Shaggy P. <laughs> like, uh, wait, wait, we're uh, choosing between these two, and we're choosing which one are we choosing? Do you think? But that, they got Kuzma with the pick, so fine. Yeah, exactly. So he's like, he, they that kind one, of yeah. You you can call that a point flip or you know slight win for the Nets, but overall it's good for it. Yeah. I do think if you're Lonzo, like. This guy, whatever, he did draft you, but he, that guy still believes in you for whatever reason, right? Right. Because do you believe in Lonzo? Uh, yeah, I, mean, I don't think Lonzo's going to be a perennial all-star, but I think he's, yeah, I think Lonzo's solid. I don't think well, if he it, redrafted, he'd go second, but. But he wouldn't go like 10th. I mean, no, he still yeah. goes really high. And I, I do think, was it you saying on the podcast a while ago that you had read or heard there was like a, in a story that one reason they think he's always getting hurt is because of his shoes. Well, that, I, I don't remember if I said it, but we've, th that's definitely a thing. Yeah. 
So maybe you just think like he's one reason he's been injured because he's fucking been wearing these flimsy shoes that Bernie Madoff Jr. of the shoe industry has been taking advantage of the bald family. Right. That you just put on some normal kicks on him, he'll be fine. Can you imagine, like, what do you think the resale price on those is right now? Those triple Bs. There were so many people. I remember this. This is classic, like, Twitter. Like, I, I love what the balls are doing. Yeah. Building a brand. I'm going to buy. A lot of former athletes were like, because they're basically the balls, like, living vicariously through what they're doing that they always wanted to do, like, purchase the shoes. I remember Lebitard did it as a joke, but then the shoes never showed up. It's like, it's one thing to, like, support someone for doing something. That's good it's journalism another, by Lebitard. Yeah, the whole thing is just fraud. <laughs> All right. Uh, God. What a story. These like the beauty is that the, the crazy thing about these Lakers, it's not like the Mets. Well, it's kind of like the Mets, except it's different because baseball is different. Like the Lakers have LeBron James on their team. This whole mess, we haven't even talked about the fact that LeBron James is on that team. But uh, but I also think here's the sketchy part when you get agents running your organization is they talk a lot because they're kind they're salesmen. And the one thing I'll give the Warriors a lot of credit on is Bob doesn't really feel like he's into all that. I'm not saying he doesn't talk to reporters or whatever, but he ain't doing it to, like, stroke his own ego. Now, granted, they've been so good he doesn't really have to. Like yesterday, the Mets, I guess, just got swept by the Marlins. Mm -hmm. And Heyman's tweeting out, uh, not that I'm following the Mets, like, watching the games, but I just saw a clip of Francesa saying that the Mets should sweep the Marlins this week. And then they got swept. And then I saw Heyman, like people inside the Mets are already pointing the finger at Mickey Calloway. Like yeah. he could get fired. It's like, okay, well, right. it's pretty fucking clear where that's coming from, right? And yeah, I mean, by the way, Robinson Cano didn't run out of ground ball, then got warned, then didn't run out another ground ball. And Robinson Cano was part of Brody Van Wagen. He was his agency, that was his rep. And they were paying him $100 million. Got warned by who, Mickey? Yes, yeah, somebody in the organization said, hey, man, you got to run those out. But then he said, oh, the scoreboard said two outs when it wasn't two outs. And then they said, no, actually, the scoreboard didn't say. It's a whole mess. And, you know, this is a guy coming off a PED suspension. Who you they traded for. You knew he was heating up. Um, who? Uh, Harper. He hit one oh, like Bryce. 700 feet this oh, weekend. He went over the, the hitter's eye, that one? Yeah. Yeah. You've been there. I mean, that's a pretty deep bomb, isn't it? And he hit yeah. another one yesterday. Uh, the Phillies are now two and a half games in first place. I think they win that division guy by like 10 games. Yeah, they're in good shape. Uh, all right. The uh, the Warriors, John. This is the other thing that happened this morning. NBA Monday morning has been strong. Uh, Chris Broussard has gotten into it kind of, although as of the recording of this podcast, I don't know if Broussard has replied. John, you can tell me if you've seen something. Uh, but Broussard tweeted well, first, he retweeted a quote of himself on Fox Sports Radio in which he said, Kevin's Dur Kevin Durant's worst nightmare is coming true. Players around the league tell me they put an asterisk by his two championships. <laughs> what in the world are they going to think if the Warriors win this championship without him? Then he retweeted that with the question, like to get some interaction. If the Warriors win a title without KD, does that diminish his two rings? Question mark. Then KD replies to Broussard, I see a little exaggeration there, buddy. My worst nightmare. You sure that is the worst thing, the worst it can get? Question mark, question mark, question mark. So this is what's happening uh, Monday morning on Twitter. Well, it hasn't exactly been the best. So they've played three games. They played the one and a half. So four and a half game stretch for yeah. Kevin Durant's legacy. Now, asterisk. That's a hard word to say, by the way. 
Yeah, you got to commit to it. I, I, I do think Kevin's kind of validated. He's an all-time great player. He can be the fucking alpha on a great team if his teammates aren't crazy asses like Russell Westbrook and not just win but dominate. Like That's pretty clear, right? That's pretty well established. I, I don't think any player would argue that. Like, LeBron's done the same shit twice. Yeah. He's me, literally are... loaded the team up. LeBron's done it twice, guy. John, there are no the asterisks. Deal. I am not on the KD asterisk train. I think that's dumb. I completely agree. Though, I think there's two things here. You and I were kind of an outlier group around this area. We didn't want Kevin to come here. I wanted him to stay in OKC because it would have been fun. Yeah. Like, yeah, he might have got the Warriors one year, and the Warriors might have got him the next year. Like Bob Myers said when they sat down in the Hamptons, we're going to win some with or without you. We will just win more with you. Basically, like, we're going to win again, whether you come or not. Whether we, we fucking re-sign Harrison Barnes, we plan on winning a championship next year. And if we don't win it next year, we'll win it the following year. I think it's pretty clear now if they had just kept Harrison Barnes, like added some other pieces of these last three years. Do they win three in a row like it looks like they're headed toward? No. Do they win one of these three? I'd say fuck yes. I, I would bet, like, $10,000 on that hypothetical world, they would have won one of these three. Is that fair? You agree with that? Yes. Yes and so they yes. Went, I don't they think went championship. Be... They lose 3-1. They came back. Then of these last three years, like, they would have won last year. LeBron's team wasn't that good. Yeah, yeah. And that first year, I, I guess they still had Kyrie. So I, also yeah, think it... it's, I also think it's a little, like, as much as we've been enjoying how just watching the Warriors here recently – it has been, like you said, four and a half games. Like, part of the reason they brought Kevin in, part of the deal wasn't, Kevin, when it's you plus all the rest of us at full strength, we're going to be unbeatable. That was part of it. Part of it was also, if Steph turns an ankle, we've got a safety net. If Clay breaks his face, we got a safety net. If Draymond gets suspended like, hey. for a game, we got a safety net. So, like, stuff can still happen here without Kevin, even though... It happens. It's happened every year to them, John. Something has happened every year that the Warriors have had to overcome, and we still talk about it like, oh, nothing's going to happen this year. Like, okay, well, something happened. Kevin got hurt. Well, think about this. Humble brag, Haberman's playing Pebble Beach Wednesday. They Less than a month out from this U.S. Open. The conditions are going to be fucking impossible. I, I give you zero chance to even sniff 100. What do you think? What, what, said, what would you, having just played with me at Harding, where the conditions were not impossible? Well, if I said the tees are... If you're just playing normal men's white tees and you play it straight up, I'd say you'd struggle to probably break 120 because the key is going to be you're going to hit it in the rough all the time. Yeah. You're not going to be able to get out. Right. Because, again, guy, they are – I mean, we're 20 days away. So I, the rough – the grass doesn't grow three inches in a, in a two weeks. Like, it's grown so out just now. Just put a number on it. What do you think? I'd say – I shot a 96 at Harding with you. You shot I'd an 80 – what did you shoot, 82? 83? Yeah, I, I'd say 120. I'll be impressed, 120. Yeah, I, I – But I'd say – I agree. I, I'd be impressed I would, too. I, unless I really practice, I would struggle to break 100 because if you hit it in the rough, it just might take you three or four shots sometimes to get back to the normal part of the course. But my point is if I said, well, what if you took this bet? I can break 100. I get a mulligan on every hole. One mulligan on any given shot. A putt, a shot, whatever. That's a little bit like hey, the Hey, fellas, you got an open hole in front of you. What are you doing? <laughs> That's why I didn't want Kevin Durant to come here. Because it's I'm fine with watching sports when you don't get a mulligan. Like, yeah. if last year they would have lost to the Rockets, so be it. That would have made this year even cooler. Like I, I And I think that's why they're, this has been a little bit of a mulligan for them. These guys kind of get to take some pride in it. Like, I, 
I've taken more joy, and I think most people would be like, oh, you're just a Warriors fanboy. No, I'm a fanboy of fucking Draymond, Clay, and Steph, because I love watching them play. I've watched every meaningful game they've ever played as a group. And I, I, I watch sports for that. I don't watch sports for Chris Paul flopping and bitching. I don't watch pro sports for fucking Ben Simmons blaming the crowd, spending a shitload of their money to come watch him play in a playoff. I despise that shit. And those three guys are, I saw people tweeted like, the best part about the finals is going to be like low ego stars. And then of course, a bunch of the progressive what? media were like, we're like ripping on like that Steph's got whatever. But I, I how do is think, that, how does that ever make for good TV? No, yeah. I know. But, but, but ultimately there is a, thing, there'll be no trash talking. It'll be amazing. Th- these guys do bring something else to the table that most people in this sport do not like winning. 100% is their number one goal. Like, is it Kevin's number one goal? Kind of, but I think there's other shit at play. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, Kevin. Like, it's fun, and everyone's going to like your tweet and stuff, but why are you even tweeting, man? Yeah, that's uh, I'm, I'm with you there. I'm with you there. I don't, I, I just, as we talk through this, I'm like, I don't even have a side. Why are you tweeting at him? But this is not, there's no asterisk on his championship. Is this his worst nightmare? No. Is it ideal for him? No. I mean, you, you know, you, we see it in radio all the time. We see it in radio, like, someone takes a week off. They don't want the best possible replacement, they want God. somebody who makes them look better. Everyone listening, you see this in every job. Yes. If someone you want to be needed, and if you're if you're elite at your job, like the equivalent of Kevin Durant in every business would be like the number one employee in the fucking business. Well, if you remove that guy, and the business does not only not skip a beat, but like has some moments where like, do we really need to be paying that guy that much? That human. Because, again, he's a human, would feel some insecurities. Well, it's like Joe, Joe Flacco isn't teaching Drew Locke the game. Like, okay, well, <laughs> I, I wish he was, I guess, but he's not. Well, think about this. Joe just saw he got replaced. He got kicked to the curb. And in fairness to Joe, who I think is probably a little out of touch with it, but has to be thinking, like, I brought this team a championship. Like, I beat the Patriots. I did that. And now you're kicking me out for this guy. It's one thing to kick you out for Guy Haberman from USC that's just 6'5 and throws darts. Like, well, listen, this guy's just me, younger. He has to be thinking, you're getting rid of me for a guy that's basically a running back playing quarterback? I mean, he can't fucking complete a pass. Uh, so I, I do understand where if I'm Joe Flacco, like, I'd be. You think Joe Flacco's rooting for the Ravens to win big this year? Not a chance. Remember how mad Aikman was for Flacco last year? It was Aikman, right? Yeah. But I think when you hear like... Or was it Romo? Maybe it was it, Romo. I, it, was, it was Aikman. It was Aikman. The Montana... Or not the Montanas, but like the Steve Youngs and the guys that are Steve... The Troy Aikmans, the guys that are on TV. They can relate to that. Like when they got phased out, whether it was injury, whatever. They just get rid of you and they move on. Now, the Warriors don't want to get rid of Kevin, right? I mean, they want Kevin to stay. Right. I don't. I want Kevin to leave. Yeah, but you, but this is this. We keep going back to this. You and I, and the Warriors and Warriors fans have different motivations, right? I, 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 I understand why. If you're the Warriors, you want to eliminate every possibility that you don't win a championship. Why wouldn't you want a mulligan on every hole? Exactly. If, if, if you exactly, totally. I mean, if you said, "Hey, hey, Dustin, you know Which, the, sh- you know when you were down two, yeah, this and you is hit good. It and you hit your shitty shot on sixteen. What if you could drop another ball and rehit? You think he'd be like, it's part of the rules. We're giving you this one. You think he'd say, no, the integrity. That's what Lakeham's argument always is. And yeah, I'm with him. We we went after Kevin Durant. No shit. The entire league was lined yep, up. Totally. The fucking Celtics 
called Tom Brady and got him to fly to them to go get, like, yeah, of course. <laughs> I don't. All right, since you brought this up, let's talk about it. Who would be the world's greatest golfer if they always had a mulligan? Would it be uh, HV3? I actually think that What Phil... was that leaderboard? For a minute, I looked at that leaderboard Sunday, and I was like, okay, I recognize Kepka. Spieth. And I know Varner. And then there was the name I haven't been able to pronounce yet. Well, no one could, really. Jazz, wise, wise, wise. Jazz, yeah. <laughs> I was like, what is going on out here? Uh, so this was my Brooks Kepka takeaway, John, is – I was trying to figure out, like, because we haven't really seen anything. We were talking about him last week, like, he's he's White Tiger. Just the level of dominance. Whether or not, like, is he going to break Jake? When do we start talking? If Brooks wins at Pebble in a month, can we start talking about him breaking Jack's record? I mean, the, the pace is just outrageous. It will well, be his fifth major if he wins the, in a month. The and stat they had on he's either be the favorite. Friday. Well, Dustin is, because Dustin's okay. played really good there, which All I think right. is fair. Like, it's pretty clear that... Dustin Johnson and Brooks are basically the same human right now. He barely beat Dustin yesterday. Him and Dustin both tied for second in the Masters. Like, they called them, what were they calling them yesterday? The Bash Brothers or the, the Bash Brothers? Or something. But they're best friends. They're kind of, those two guys are just better than everyone else. They're yeah. better than Jordan. They're better than Bubba. They're better than everyone else. What what'd you think watching them this weekend? I didn't get to, I was catching up on highlights yesterday, Sunday, but. Well, he's just – I don't think in the – I've been watching golf the majority of my life. Tiger, even in his peak peak, he would just make so many pots. He'd chip it in. He'd do just crazy shit. No one ever has been this deep and this straight. And I think – and Dustin gets like that too. When you hit it 330, guy, and you consistently hit like 90% of the fairways, there's a reason that Jordan Spieth was texting with one of the Barstool guys, Riggs, who followed him. And I'm like – what because they followed Brooks and Spieth on Saturday. I'm like, what did it look like? He's like, it was crazy because Brooks is just sitting there 40 yards up the fairway in the fairway. Well, Dust where Jordan is in this like knee high rough, and he's like one of the best players, young players we've ever seen. It's like they're fucking playing a different sport, and Dustin's doing the same shit. So I, he's just an incredible, accurate hitter of the golf ball that's tiger people tiger and peak tiger and peak phil tiger probably a little more accurate but both them like you think back to some of their major wins over the years like at any moment they could just hit some crazy ass shot in the trees now usually out of the trees they'd hit it like 10 feet but they were not in the fairway all the time that's always been kind of the bugaboo for tiger right it's like if he can just keep it in the fairway he'll win that's the thing for brooks He's always – it's weird when he – I bet against him, obviously, all weekend. And then I added some money to that with Dustin Johnson. And it's just – it's like it must be like betting against the Warriors. It's like this motherfucker doesn't miss a fairway. That's my that's my biggest beef betting against him is just you're not going to lose. He doesn't miss fairways, guy. I, I was blown away by it. It's, it's, it's insane. And doesn't it feel like the – those fairways at that course, like they hyped up when you and I were at Harding, like they're going to really tighten these fairways. It felt like those ones were a little tighter than even Harding. Now maybe they're going to yeah, tighten was, them. It felt like there was a lot of rough between the, the crowd and the actual lowest cut, right? Like, didn't it feel like a couple basketball hoops on some holes? Like it's like, damn, this is really impressive. I mean, you hit fair. it down the middle. Down the middle is still down the middle, right? Like that's what's crazy is all his like shot-shaped golf trackers were just just straight. It's incredible. Except for the one that we broke. 
And I think that's where, like, he is an all-time historic guy to be under pressure to be able to consistently hit it that straight off the tee. Because off the tee, that's when you're swinging the hardest, right? That's when the pressure, that's why you see a lot of these guys spray it because you're swinging so hard, the margin for error is really small. It's incredible. I mean, I, honestly, I'll give Dustin a lot of credit, too. Dustin is, do you know that yesterday he finished his career grand slam for seconds? Really? <laughs> He's now finished second in every major. You know, I heard that Jack finished, somebody, was there a yeah, stat like he, Jack has finished second in a major? He finished second in the major like 19 times or something like yeah, that? Yeah, I, I think him and Phil, I think Phil's like 15 and he's like, but Dustin maybe, is, I don't know. Wow. Dustin's coming up the pipe too. Yeah. To me, I, that speaks to like, you win like five, six, seven majors. Obviously Jack's got like 20 or 18, but you win just a high single digit and then you have that. That's why Phil's one of the great all-time golfers, right? Did, yeah, it's like finishing second for the sigh. Like he's like you can never say like he was never the best pitcher in his league. It's like yeah, okay, but he was consistently over a period of time one of the best. Well, it's like he won three Cy Youngs and he finished second six other yeah, times. Yeah, now that Jesus. you've won majors, now it's hard to exactly. Did you think the crowd when Brooks won like really was fired up about it? Well, there was a point yesterday on like hole fourteen once DJ was legitimately two shots back, the play started chanting DJ. And yeah. I do think DJ, for whatever reason, even though they're kind of similar humans, is more likable. He so, just, I, it's I got, weird. I, I, I don't know yeah, why so, he's more likable. Well, I think one of the things is like he's been Brooks, in our life longer. He's been been around and he's had some lows, and you know we've seen him fail and all that. But I also he think got, he got Brooks suspended. To me, remember, for like yeah. six months for something. Brooks, it, to me, is. Uh, I was trying to think like who who could I compare him to. And I figured out that I was going to go. I, I'm going with Peter from Office Space. Like, Brooks only shows up when he wants to. And when he wants to is only for the big meetings. He doesn't show up for anything that's not a major, major. And I think we all kind of want to be ad, that guy. He's, he's admitted to that, too. Yeah. And everybody wants to be that guy. You'd love to just kind of be like magic. Like, I just show up when I want to show up. And it just turns out that I show up for the biggest events. And I can't because I'm fucking better than all of you. And any but moment in that I'm office, pissed, I can scream "fuck you." But in everyone. that office, you like you hate them because you want to be able to only be the person that shows up for the big meetings and doesn't care what the consultants say and just blows everybody off and doesn't answer the calls, like as quickly as everybody else does from the sponsors or the tour managers or whatever. And I think that's part of it's like Brooks, like damn it, man, like this is what we we all wish we could walk into our office only on the days where the meeting is about us. Not when I just got to sit there through 30 minutes of somebody else's presentation. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's a part of it. I think well, he admitted also, he doesn't really like the sport that much. Right. But to me, like, I watched him compete. I did think he's enjo he's out there like he's. I think he hypes that up a little bit. There's no way you can be this good without liking But you love it. saying that. People love saying, like, yeah, I don't even need this, you know. It's like but his body language does kind of I know. lend that to be true. Where part of it is the strut, for sure. DJ's kind of got a low-key, lackadaisical body language, but he's proven over the last, like, six, seven years his give-a-fuck level's high because he plays really well in these random, like, he just wins a lot of tournaments. Like, he's he's coming and swinging whenever he's playing, right? Yeah. He ain't just tapping out. And, and I do think, you're right, there is a level of that U.S. Open when he three-putted on 18 at Chambers Bay. Like, we've seen DJ hit a pretty big low. And he just – that's where yesterday, for the first time in his career, he started hitting adversity. I was like, is he going to crumble? And it wasn't even – just the course was playing just so hard. And it was DJ chasing him. And I think it worked out perfectly that they didn't put him and DJ in the same group. 
Like DJ got to be a couple groups ahead of him. Right. And kind of get hot. So you kind of feel it. Kep got a quote. I saw like Jason Schobel, the dude from the Action Network, was at ESPN forever. In his post-game press conference, he said, the best thing that happened yesterday is when the crowd started chanting DJ, it kind of it kind of helped me lock back in and focus. Mm. Mm. And I was like, it was it was a very like basketball or football type quote. Like, I gotta get my shit together again. Because yeah. everyone's kind of rooting for me to lose. I might lose. And he had, was had, that around he, the time he'd had the four straight bogeys? It was like he said it was like whole fourteen or fifteen. I heard him say afterwards that he at first he caught himself. He's like, I don't think I've ever had four straight bogeys. Bogeys. Well, I'm sure I have, but. <laughs> He is incredible. Like, there's yeah. no, no. He's the no. first guy in golf history to have back-to-back majors at the same time. Like, that's two different. So you're saying, yeah. Yeah. Right now, he's the two-time winner, back-to-back winner of the PGA Championship in the U.S. That's Open. Crazy. No one in the history of the sport, not even Tiger, has done that. Like, I think he's. I think he's winning the U.S. Open. I mean, well, I was arguing with someone else on Twitter about right now he's got to peak Tiger to him mm-hmm. in the majors, not the overall game. And then the guy came back with basically saying, well, if you go back and look at the 2000, 2001 Tiger, he was blowing out the fields. And my response is, these fields are way better. Like, if DJ Brooks, Jordan, Bubba, Rory, like, who were the best players in, like, 2001? Like, David Duvall was starting to fall apart. Faldo was old. Phil was kind of a mental midget at that time. Like, the field wasn't – still had a lot of fat guys. Yeah, I mean, I – I'm not trying to diminish Tiger at all. I think he's the best player well, of all time. But my point is, like, he still would have dominated if peak Tiger was right now, but it would have been more difficult. Do you agree? Like, Brooks and DJ are – these guys already have, like, three, four majors. I mean, DJ's got a couple. Brooks now is four. Jordan's got a couple. Rory has a couple when they were, like, in their 20s. Like, they're really good players. Yeah, look, I don't think he's – I'm not saying – I don't think he's Tiger. I'm just saying – Kepka is the betting favorite that, for the U.S. That he Open. just rolls without any. At this point, he has just rolled without any real, like no drama to it. I mean, there is Kepka, a little drama, but it's Kepka not, and DJ are the heavy favorites for yeah. U.S. Open. God, I hope they're playing together on Sunday. That'd be awesome. Wouldn't you be? Isn't it fair to say it'd be pretty shocking if one of them is not like heavily in the mix on Sunday right now? I'd be John. I would just be shocked if one of the two of those people doesn't win that tournament. Like I'll take Dustin Kepka, you can have the field, you know, like that. Don't you think it's a fair bet that probably both of them are going to finish in like top five? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know. well, like, do you feel good about Tiger right now? What's he going to do? He take the next four weeks off? What's he doing? I mean, who knows? I don't feel good about any of these guys. I, I might just put a couple hundred each on both those two and just let it ride. Yeah. Like, I, I bet on all these randoms. I'm never doing that shit again. Uh, all right, John. Uh, so two quick football things to get to. One Raiders, one actually Niners. This Raiders one came up. I want to hit it real quick. Um, apparently Ben Roethlisberger did a radio interview today and said that he is really sorry for the things he said um, and his contributions to injuring his relationship with, uh, with Antonio, Antonio Brown. Yeah. He, he's sorry that his comments after the, um, at the end of the season ruined. This is what he said. Quote, I took some heat and deservedly so for some of the comments on that show and especially towards him. I genuinely feel bad about that, and I'm sorry that I go too far after that Denver game. Probably. Uh, was that the one Antonio was talking about? The motherfucker told him he ran the wrong route and he yeah. throws the defensive lineman? It's an all-time that's, great quote by Antonio. Uh, that's the thing about media and social media. As soon as you say sorry, it only goes so far. You can't take it back, and I wish I could because if that's what ruined our friendship and relationship, I'm truly genuinely sorry about that. Doesn't it feel like 
that was just the straw that broke Campbell's back. Yeah. They already had issues that Absolutely. even if if Ben hadn't said anything there and took taking it all on himself, that this was almost inevitable. I think that was, I think he said. There, what do you he think said. there was part of it? Maybe a little bit with Antonio, a jealousy of Juju's rising star. Because Juju's pretty yeah, big, like, I think people just seem to like him. I think that's reasonable. Like there, there was some resentment from it. Just felt like he was a little more pure, and people just liked him, and people yeah, thought he was a diva. No, for sure. I, I just think, like my first thought when I saw this was, I, I don't know. Like it's easy for Ben to say this stuff now. Who knows? But if you're look, thinking about the Raiders, just Ben taking some personal accountability. It's not a bad sign for the Raiders that somebody said, you know, part of this was my fault too. This wasn't just about Antonio flying off the handle for no reason. Well, well if I if I had told if I had told you right now that Antonio never made it to the Raiders, they rekindled over the summer. He was on the Pittsburgh Steelers right now, and Ben went on this radio show and said, the best thing I ever did is I realized I fucked up and went reached out to him, and they just rekindled. Wouldn't it feel like they would be the heavy favorites to win the North? <laughs> Yeah, but I also think it's easier to say that when somebody's gone. In some ways, it's easier, right? And so you haven't been around them. You're not going to be around them. You know, well, you don't have to deal with whatever it is. But but I'm just saying, with. if Antonio was still on the Steelers, yeah, they'd be. So I do think Ben realized that's a pretty big loss for them. Just the that what he brought to the table: 15 touchdowns, 100 plus catches. Take everyone the off, just Juju. yeah, just feel like everyone, including myself. Oh, the Steelers, they just find like eventually. It's not. He's the best one they've had to replace. Plaxico, Mike Wallace, Emmanuel Sanders. He, This guy's the best one by far, right? Maybe he realized, God, this James Washington well, guy's as good as it's close. But I'm just saying, I think I do think we should take I, it I know what you're saying. I know yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. Just like I get, like, it's easier to say it when you know, because my question would be like, Ben, if he was back this year with something else, would you guys – when you're apart, it's easy to be like, oh, man. And then you get back together and you realize, oh, all that stuff that I do that he hates and all that stuff that he does that I hate, that didn't change. But my point is ultimately, I do think it's – it's I don't know if it's a good thing, but it's not a bad thing for the Raiders that Ben comes out and says this for how I, I view Antonio and the Raiders. Yeah, to me, I I think Antonio's had a good little offseason given that the three biggest divas in America, the two of them kind of look like slappies. And one of them has just normalized a little bit. Like Antonio, say what you want about him. Since he's been here, there's been nothing. All he does is show up. All he does is practice. Now he's got access to private jet, whatever. I mean, so do those guys. But he's he doesn't miss any time. Hey, access to private guys, jet means you can go on vacation whenever you want to. Like, you don't have to fly to go work out. Well, Friday, oh, I on Instagram, what's Odell doing? He's He's lifting at USC. Like, Odell, can you just go to fucking Browns for the week? I mean, for the love of God, can you do it? And no, he can't. He simply cannot do it. So Antonio easily could do that. He could be at Florida State, wherever he lives in Florida, go to the local college, local high school, and just work out there. He easily could have done that. Honestly, I I give – he deserves some credit because I would have bet when it started if you said – Two of the three of them are not going to show up. I would have assumed, like, well, Le'Veon missed the year. I would have been like, Le'Veon shows up. Those two guys don't. Yeah, it's gone as well as it could, really, for the Raiders. I, I, I would imagine Gruden's like, this is this guy's fucking working his ass off. He already knows. Because his question has never been like, he's not dumb. He learned. It's not like he can't learn playbook. He does that no problem. He can move him everywhere. 
His knock has never been. He doesn't work hard in practice. He's always like the Jerry Rice, you know, runs 100 yards after catches, which would be like, okay, Antonio, we're kind of slowing down the drill here. Just turn around after like 20 yards. You can come back. We know you're in shape. It's just been about he nice gets abs. he gets diva-ish. You know, it's always got to be about him. He's not throwing the ball enough. The irony was all the Steelers ever did was throw him the ball, right? And it, it might just get back to just he didn't like Ben. I think I think at the end of the day it was that simple. He just couldn't stand the guy, uh, and Ben couldn't stand him too. I, I don't, you yeah, know. Yeah, it's, they pro- I, I, I think, and we've always thought that they both contributed to this. Like I don't think you and I ever were like this is all Antonio. I don't think we've been talking about Ben for a long time, and the difficulties that probably come with him. So because at the end of the day, I'd be like, wait a second, you're telling me that you think the reason you lost maybe the best receiver in the NFL is because you said something that you wish you could have taken back and you took it back on May 20th after he was on another team. Didn't they cancel that radio show for the fall? Yeah, I thought, but I, th- no, he did. Cause I was reading the other day, like what Ben's done over this off season. Cause Oh, Jeff Schwartz tweeted about it because I guess he took like last weekend or two weekends, no fanfare, but took the entire offense like to his lake house, like around the area or something. It was like an under-the-radar team bonding. Like, is Ben trying to grow? The team you, bonding. But do always... you give Ben credit for this? If maybe the Steelers said something like, listen, man, we need you to be a little less about Ben and a little more like, you, you got to you gotta come back a little bit. Be yeah. what you once were here. Sure. You know? Like, Antonio's gone. You got no, like, okay, you got your way, I guess, or maybe you didn't, whatever. We but need Antonio's these young gone. guys to really respect you. Right. We're paying you for it. I hope right. they did do that. Yeah, I mean, maybe didn't they? Didn't they just pay him? You gave him a, like a little extension of yeah, like fifty a little, million bucks a little, or whatever. Bump. Yeah, a little bump. Uh, all right, we mentioned it to start the podcast. This is the opposite of things going well for Washington. I didn't realize when I read the story about Reuben Foster that it was his first rep, like you said, John, that he got hurt on. Um, his last year has been wild. Is there any part of John Lynch? Like, I don't think. I think John Lynch. I don't think John Lynch is sitting around going like, "All right, see that proves that we did the right thing." But it's his last year. You could argue his whole career has been pretty wild. Well, how long has his career been? Two and a half years. I mean, it's insane how much stuff has been packed into his. You're right. Into just let's go back to the combine. And yeah, from there the on. combine guy, his first game as a 49er, he went down midway through after he made like the half of plays. Remember that? It was like, oh my, this guy's Ray Lewis. And then he went down, he was out. That's what I remember. They were playing the Carolina Panthers. He made like three tackles. I was like, Gee, this is a home run pick. And then he just laid on the ground and never came back. I think he missed like three or four weeks after that. This is a disaster. His career. Kind of feel bad for him in the sense that the way it grew up, just a shitty life. Then this girl, which he played a part in by being around her, tried to ruin his life. But there is one thing that's now not arguable. As of right now, we just know he got taken off in an air cast. And the thing with Ruben, at any it, Sometimes not quite as serious as you think, but let's just assume that it's season ender, blew out his knee. It's kind of on brand for Reuben Foster, right? I mean, he's just how many injuries he had in the NFL? Hammy, knee, shoulder. I mean, concussion. He has a career worth of injuries, and in, you know how many games he played in his life? Like sixteen and in, in practices. I'll tell you here. Uh, to me, to me, to go down on your first practice, first rep for the new team, who I would imagine the Redskins were like, shit, we got a middle linebacker for nothing. 
Because remember, they claimed him, and he's not even getting suspended. Because before we did the podcast, I'm 16. like, I told you, I'm like, isn't he? Because I kind of, it's hard to kind of keep all. He's got an Alden Smith like thing to him, totally. where you can't quite keep track of all of his transgressions. I'm like, I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly. He didn't get suspended. They're just docking and pay for a couple of weeks, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. Like, wait, you're letting me play, but you're, I'm not going to get paid? What the fuck? I'm, like, I'm not playing. Yeah. You, you, just suspend exa- me, please. I, exactly. But what a disaster. Also, does if he comes back next year, do these two weeks count? or? What do you mean? Like, do the first two weeks, because if you get put on IR, if you're a oh, guy like right, right, right. you still get paid. Yeah, it's a good you question. just dock my pay those two weeks. Yeah, probably. You'd think. Um, but but I mean, like part of this is even without all the off the field stuff, forget all that stuff. Like you said, he played 16 games in two years. He wasn't one of the concerns coming out of college, just that he is injury prone. Now I think it was more specifically about his shoulder, right? But he, his shoulder. Remember, he wore a cowboy collar in college, like had neck issues. He was just such a violent tackler that. One of the things I remember Robert Sala, like last year, we, you and I were at a practice maybe in training camp, and Sala was just talking like the one thing we're trying to coach into him was just play a little more under control. You know, his his kind of nature of just flying around hitting people is what thing that led to a lot of injuries. Because the one thing you would say about him, when he was on the field, his reckless abandon to crush people was unmatched. Like he was playing at 100, you always like, get these guys to play fast. Playing fast was not his problem. And trying to inflict his body onto other people was also not his problem. But sometimes that led to just him laying on the ground forever. And, you know, does this, like, let's say he's still on a niner. Does he get hurt in OTAs? Who knows? But does he get hurt this season 100%, right? Is that fair to say? There was no chance he was playing 16 games for the Niners or even the Redskins. He's just always hurt. That's. I saw a lot of people saying, like, on Twitter – John Lynch still on the table for this guy. Just talking about him as a player. Like, I, I don't think you can ever envision. Because some guys get hurt all the time in college, then are never hurt. Some guys are never hurt in college, then are hurt all the time. In the, it's just so random. I mean, Frank Gore had like three ACL injuries. And he's never really had a major injury in the NFL. You just, I, I, I think the injury stuff is, it's the hardest part about the job. Like the character stuff. They knew what they were getting into when they were hitting the face flat. Like, they they wore that one, right? To me, the injury thing, it's just kind of random with players, man, I, I think, when it comes to these NFL guys. Because how many guys like Ruben come into the league and never have a problem? Or guys that have a perfect record of durability in college then just get hurt all the time? Yeah. I, I agree with you on it being random. Uh, we've talked about this for a long time. It's not, not that it's random. Any, like, I wouldn't say today's random. But, like, the first year, you kind of think, like, oh, it'll go away. Right. Right. And I also think it's different. Like, did you break an arm in a contact injury? Did you break a foot in a contact injury? Or I think when guys have successive non-contact injuries or injuries that look like they were more severe than the contact would warrant or repeated contact injuries in the same spot, that's when you start talking about maybe someone has a degenerative shoulder. Maybe they just are prone. Every concussion they have, they're just going to get another one, right? Um, But there's also style of play, and he – now, this injury doesn't even qualify for a style of play. This is just, he's got hurt. This, though, I'd say big picture for him, if he did blow out his knee, is pretty devastating because yeah. now he's have a major shoulder injury, a major knee injury. I mean, is he in the league in three years? His speed's part of his game. 
big time. It's a, uh, you could argue the karma's not as much Ruben as more of the uh, more of the Redskins. Right. Well, that's is bad. But I I think at this point we're going to be hard. What'd you what, What'd you say? Gruden's quote was, "This uh, takes the cake." Uh, yeah, we've had some bad ones, but this one takes like we've had a lot of injuries around here, but this one takes the cake. Just I think part of it is like how quickly it happened. But I I think at this point it's a long shot that we'll look back a very long shot now. It got longer today. They will look back and say, you know what? Because I think if Ruben Foster went to like four Pro Bowls in Washington or even one, we'd be like, you know what? John was right about the player. And I do think we all we think he was right about the the player. We do. If he was healthy, we loved Ruben Foster, legit big time NFL linebacker. But but I do think it's fair to say that we have enough information in the two years he's played in the sixteen games that he actually was able to play out of thirty two. So the ratio's not great. No. That if he was Joe Staley level character, or you know, just perfect off the field. Every team in the league would want this guy, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I I don't think anyone questions like like if Solomon Thomas was just on the street tomorrow, would how many teams would even want him? You're right, but I but at this point, what it looks like, what if his career only if you if what you said is correct, right? That, if he like, never plays he, again, if he never plays again, so, it's not going to be about the off the field. It's about the on the field. Yeah, he's the he's the basically the double cocktail of shitty. Questionable off the field decision making and his body, you can't trust him. You know, yeah. ideally you want perfect character guy who's super durable and is a good player. He's well, you can't really trust him, and at any moment he can go down. Is there a chance? Like, I, I hate speculating on this, but maybe he was a little out of control in his drill. <laughs> you know, well, Just yeah, so, I do am- so, am- so amped up. I mean, it's his first time on the field with these guys. Sure. I, I think you. the one thing you never know with guys when they get hurt, but you hear this like you hear this when you go around, you talk to schools, and they're like, well, yeah, so-and-so actually was not really in great shape when he came in, and so his body wasn't ready for it. Or the opposite, like, well, he overworked himself. And so we, you know, there's all those other factors that are definitely possibilities, particularly with non-contact injuries, but who knows? Yeah, this could be shitty deal, man. All right. Shitty deal. Lunchtime? Let's go eat. Upstart.com slash ham, hairclub.com slash ham. Get Go it. support Haberman's seventh car. He's trying to buy new Mercedes. New add to the fleet. I'm trying to get that membership. Uh, trying to become a membership like yeah, you, uh, like Brooks. Think, I want to hold four simultaneous golf club memberships, John. You, you think Haberman's driving to Pebble? I took Bart. Driven, John, I took, I, took Bart, I took Bart to Berkeley on Sunday, John. Blue collar. What was your experience like doing that? Positive. It was easy. It is an easy shot, huh? Yeah, it was super easy. All right. How long it take? 45 minutes. Did you Uber to the bar? Yeah, I did. <laughs> you know. Yeah. You got a couple good tweets out there of solid calls. Well, I was going to mention this on the next part. What? What did you say? Burns is king of like grunting in the background when something sweet Burns happens. Burns is off his rock. <laughs> I was going to save this for the next podcast because I meant to mention early and I forgot to mention early. But so I'm doing the games with Burns, ASU Cal, incredible High level series, like three top ten hitters in that in that series. Is that one tall guy that hit a bomb yesterday? Is he a top ten player? Yeah, in the next draft? next year. He's a sophomore. Like he, uh, he could be like the number one overall pick. Possible. He broke Barry's freshman home run record at ASU last year. Hit Would you say he was the best player in that game? We had Even, two home runs in the series and had a game winning hit in two games. But he's he's a better prospect than the guy that's going to go in the top five just because he's way bigger. Uh, right? I think people think Vaughn is just a 
premier, just like big league hit. Like he could hit in the big leagues right well, now. Well, are those guys it. are those guys friends from high school or something? They, they played against each other. each other a lot, but then they became friends. They played on like Team USA last summer. Because when they just fo- I followed Vaughn on Instagram, and yeah. then I followed the other guy on Instagram because they took some pictures together. Yeah, he makes Vaughn look like you. He's, so it Torbis throws you off. Huge. How big is he? Like six six? No, I mean not not quite that big. Well, what's Vaughn? Five eleven? Yeah. Almost, maybe almost, maybe six. How many players to me in Major League Baseball of that size are like, because he's projected to be some elite hitter, are elite yeah. hitters? Yeah. Posey? Yeah, he actually reminds me of Posey the way he hits. But he's got more pop, right? Yeah. Posey had pop, I guess, when he was yeah, young. They were, Posey was a catcher. It's just different when you're a catcher like that. It's Yeah, this guy, Vaughn, was almost won the Triple Crown last if year. If you were Brody Van Farhan... And you could pick one for the next 10 years. Which one would you take? Well, yeah. I mean, Torgelson is just like bomb city. Like, I just, he's a guy. And he just looks sweet. Yeah. But the thing about Vaughn is like somebody showed me a stat last week that like some big league people have that like project. It's like taking the college numbers and projecting them. And he's the best college hitter like since the stat has existed. Like, and it's like Chris Bryant, Benintendi. It's like all dudes, like dude after dude after dude. How many scouts are at the series? Friday's game, I think, had 35. <laughs> so that's basically like when De'Aaron Fox played Lonzo Ball. That's like what people are, you know, if you live in this area or you do the West Coast, you're at that game. Well, because there's another guy in ASU named Hunter Bishop who's from Palo Alto who's a top 10 pick. This, this year, year next year? This year. And then so Cal has a guy named Jared Horn who's, you know, I mean, probably going to be a top five round pitcher. So you got two top 10 picks and then a potential top five pick next year. Yeah, you have a top five, a top three pick, like a top ten pick, a top five pick. Yeah. Yeah. So you just got to be at that game if you're anywhere close right. to here. And so, any GMs like far on there? I uh, I didn't know. I no. Burns told me there were two GMs there, but I didn't see who they were. Brody. I, I don't think Brody was there. Maybe I don't know. But no chance Brody's there. <laughs> probably not the time. Uh, <laughs> but I so so here's the deal. So it's so it's thirty five scouts guy is a shitload because I I used to do Cal Poly baseball games. Like ten's a lot. Well, John, right? there's more. There's not thirty teams. There's not thirty-five teams. So some teams are like, yeah, we're two guys. Yeah. Uh, so the game is ending, and a uh, a young lady, probably early twenties, mid twenties, maybe, sticks her head in the press box. Goes, hey, eye contact with me. Looks at Burns. Can my boyfriend get a picture with you guys after the game? And I'm like, you mean with Burns? You know, like I. She just made <laughs> eye contact with me, being nice. Yeah. She's got an ASU shirt on. So we leave the, I come out of the booth. Burns has already taken a picture with the guy. And she's like, oh, can we get a picture with you too? And the guy's like, Haberman, I love the podcast. It's like, oh, this is like real. Like you actually want to, I would love to take a photo. John, you know, you know, you don't get, I don't get many photos. It's fun. That's for, that's pretty awesome. So anyway, Michael Allen, ASU grad, lives in the Bay with his girlfriend. I didn't get her name. I should have, mistake. Julie think, or Megan, probably. I think just get, propose to her right now. Uh, like, I think if your girlfriend is willing to be the one, just like he didn't stick his head in the booth to ask for a photo. She did it. Like, can my boyfriend get a photo? Michael had her do it. Like, he didn't do it. So they both had ASU shirts on, big ASU fans. Good time to be a Sun Devil, John. Col- college baseball underrated, like, little event. They don't sell booze there, though, huh? Yeah, they do. Oh, they do? Yeah. So you go you can go there and drink beers and watch a game? Yeah. Hard liquor? Oh, How much does it cost to get into a game if you're a fan? Like, five bucks? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Couldn't tell you, but... <laughs> But, I mean, that's it's not a bad place. You just want no. something to hang out and no. do for the night. Sunny day, grass. They got tacos. Nah, I, could, I could argue. I mean, you can go to Oracle for 10 so. 10 what? Dollars. <laughs> now, you spend more when you're there. 
15. Uh, oh, you're talking about the A's, yeah. Yeah, I'm not. Ta- I'm not. Joe, my AT&T. Sorry, I thought I thought I'm the Warriors. About I'm not talking about the Warriors. I'm talking about the Giants. Yeah, but you're close to the action, and you get to see big league hitters, John. You get to see where do you park? But I haven't been there a couple times. Where do you park? You take Bart. It drops you off like three blocks away. You know, park. True. John, you, there we go. I know. That's why you know it's like people always nail me for drinking water bottles. Yeah, ten or fifteen percent of those end up recycled. The rest in the ocean, from what I hear. Well, I know I throw most of them away, but I'm not a great, like, uh, I'm the wrong person to come after that. I don't have great habits. Michael, thanks for listening to the podcast. Appreciate it. And tell your girlfriend thank you as well. You, you guys talk that. some ball? Put like, a ring well, on it. Did he, did he have some scouting thoughts on the players? It was cool. I I, had, I apologize. I had to book it out of there to get make it to a graduation at Sonoma gotcha. State. But uh, It's a fraudulent move when you're like, I got to go. It's like, does this guy really have to go? But you really do. I really do. You know? Yeah, I really did. I would have. Because after I was like, oh, I always like to talk to that guy. Like, how do you listen? Tell me about your listening habits. Did you Share meet Vaughn friends. or the other guy? Yeah, I, I go to. I mean, I've done a lot of Cal. I not that was my first ASU. What do you thought they about were, their personality? Good guys. Were, I mean, Vaughn is an incredible guy, and everyone. I the first time I met Torkelson, but everyone raves about him. And then he came. He came off really well. So high level, two high high level guys. I mean, neither had been. You know, God, you really want me to keep talking well, about this? Well, yeah, because I'm. Fa- I love I, it. I like but, prospect. Well, because me, Vaughn. So Vaughn twice. Vaughn is great name. Torkelson. You envision like. Hey, 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 2024, Giants playing uh, the Phillies. Torkelson's up. Like, that's just, yeah. I, it's hard to say that name, like, Torkelson. <laughs> yeah, they just call him. But Tor- I'm telling you, I, I saw some Instagram and some Twitter highlights. He looks like fucking incredible. Yeah. So, Vaughn twice failed to make, you know, area code is like the big, like, area baseball teams. He tried out twice and failed. Torkelson had two offers coming out. Uh, oh, so neither of them were, like, no. super heralded guys. Uh-uh. But Torgelson ended up at a Torgelson base 20, power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have it UCSD, I think, was his other offer, or USD or something like that. No, I mean, that's not bad either, right? No, I mean, it's for Chris. Well, it depends which one. Yeah. So um, you're saying like UCLA, like UCLA, Oregon State, all these programs on the West Coast could have had these guys. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I think Vaughn had committed pretty early to Cal. Like, they both hit with um, uh, J- uh, Joe. Uh, sorry, let me. Johnny Gomes is. Is it Johnny? Which one's the big leaguer now? I talked about it so much this weekend. Johnny Gomes' brother is like a hitting coach. Well, Burns acted like he had kind of known these guys. He like had they had been yeah. to camp. Just through like Bay Area baseball shit. Yeah. Because they had a pretty sweet photo of the three of them. Right. Kinda... Yeah. No no credit for the photographer on that one from Burnsy. But... <laughs> you, were, you were the photographer? Took the photo. Oppo <laughs> taco! It was blasted. Put some lettuce and cheese on that bad boy. Well, I mean, the wind was flowing in there, right? Yeah, yeah, it was bombsky. Okay, can we go to lunch now? Yeah. Later. I mean, don't get me wrong. I could do three hours on this. No, but... I'll let you go. I, I'm into it, but... All right. Later. Later. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.